Um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Uh, in June of 2004, we had an incredible hailstorm here in Amarillo. I don't know if you were in the area at the time or if you remember it, but I remember it because we were actually celebrating my youngest son's seventh birthday, and we were actually um, at, at a party swimming, and the people came out and said, look, you're going to have to get out. There's a storm that's moving across the northern part of Amarillo going from west directly east, and it's going to come right across this area, and so you're going to need to leave. So we, we packed up our stuff and said, hey, let's go down to the old Ruby Tequilas on Sansi. Y'all remember the Ruby Tequilas there on Sansi? So we went down there, and, and little did we know that the storm that we thought we were going to be able to avoid actually took a right turn and went down on the west side of town. And if you remember, there were softball-sized hail that was happening. In fact, we were in the restaurant, ended up having to get up, get in the freezer. And, and right before it all happened, I began, I walked to the door and said, I want to kind of see how bad this is when all of a sudden these softball-sized hail started hitting the ground. It was, it was incredible. I Later, in, in a negative way, but later as I went outside, all the windows and cars were smashed out. My, my top on my expedition had gotten so beat up that they literally had to cut off the top and re-weld um, uh, a new top on top of my expedition. There were softball-sized hail that went through homes, right through the, the sheetrock, or, or not the sheetrock, the shingles and the, the rafters and everything and went right into their house. See, we thought we were going to be able to avoid the storm, but what we ended up finding ourselves was in the midst of the storm. So we're in this series on storms because... We're all going to have to deal with storms. I, I wish I could tell you today, hey, you can be exempt, but none of us are going to be exempt from dealing with storms. Whether it's the COVID-19 pandemic that we're all kind of dealing with right now, or the loss of a job, loss of health, loss of relationships, we all deal with stuff. And I think that's important for us to know because sometimes we think we're the only ones dealing with stuff. You know, and God, why am I the only one dealing with stuff? But everybody's dealing with stuff. So... It's my goal through these messages just to kind of really help you understand that we're all going to deal with things. There's all going to, all of us are going to deal with some things. In fact, Jesus put it this way in John chapter 16. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. So we're all going to deal with some storms in our life. And my second goal is to help you know what you need to do when the storm is going to come. Do you know that you have choices that you can make ahead of time so you can know how you're going to deal with the storm when the storm comes? Because if you're prepared, you're going to know in advance what to do. Because Jesus didn't just leave us at, in this world you will have trouble, but he can fi finish that by saying, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. It's awesome to know that God has overcome, that even in the midst of our troubles, God has overcome everything. And so we can know that it's in him we can have peace. Even though there may be a storm brewing around you in your marriage, in your finances, in your health, whatever it might be. You can have peace in the midst of the storm because just like Christ, we are overcomers too. In fact, the Bible says that you're more than a conqueror today. So my question for you today is, are you prepared for the storm? Have you made a decision ahead of time to be prepared for the storm when the storm comes? Now, as a kid growing up, when I was in elementary school, which was just a few years ago, um, actually it was quite a long time ago, we used to take horse and buggy to, to school. <laughs> just kidding. All right. Um, 
they used to do these things called fire drills and tornado drills. And I don't know if they still do them there, but they would have the students and teachers practice what they were going to do if there was ever a tornado, if there was a fire that was going to take place. So an alarm would go off, and the teachers, because they knew it was about ready to happen, would, would calmly get up and start instructing the students as to what to do. And because we knew it was a drill too, we would calmly get up, stand by our desk like very orderly young kids, and we would just allow the, 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 ourselves to walk out or allow the person in front of us to walk out calmly and slowly. But I was thinking about this this week and I was wondering what would we really do if we, we, didn't, if we didn't know that it was a drill or if it wasn't just a drill, that there actually was a real fire, there was actually really a tornado. Would we have politely again stood by our desk and, and slowly walked out and like we did to after you to our neighbor and they go, no, 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 after you and we no, 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 after you? Would we, have, would we have done that or would we have stampeded out there like a bunch of wildebeests being chased by a pack of lions with our teacher leading the way, right? Uh, when I was growing up, one time there was a bat that got in our house and, and my mom got us into this one bedroom because she thought it was really safe. Well, come to find out the bat was actually in that bedroom. Well, the moment the bat swooped down at all of us kids, my mom hightailed it out, leaving all of us kids in there. And, and you know, I would like to think that it would be the first thing, that we'd all be polite and kind, we'd all exit the room in a very orderly way, but I realized that it's a really good possibility that we would have been, it would have been like a madhouse of, of people driven by fear because they often respond in very crazy and out of control ways. So how are you going to respond when the storm comes into your life? How are you going to respond? And again, I'm sharing this message because I want you to know that you can decide ahead of time how you're actually going to respond. Well, I believe it has to do with preparation. See, if you're preparing just kind of like we were in the class, you just kind of do it occasionally, uh, you, you show up to church occasionally, you just kind of read your Bible occasionally, you think about God when things are going bad, but when things are going good, you don't think about God, chances are you're not really going to be prepared. But if you prepare like a soldier who drills and drills and drills and drills and is in live fire so that he can prepare, what happens is your response actually becomes second nature. And what happens is what happens on the inside of you becomes more real than what's happening on the outside so you're able to prepare and be able to respond correctly. So two weeks ago, we began looking at a storm that the disciples had to deal with. They, they found themselves in the middle of the storm. They had just had this amazing miracle take place and Jesus gets them into the boat, sends them to the other side while he dismisses the crowd and a storm blew up. And that's how storms are most of the time. They kind of seem to come out of nowhere and they can have devastating results in our lives. And, and most of the time, storms catch us off guard. Have you noticed that? In one moment of your life, things are awesome, marriage is good, health is good, finances are good. And in the next moment, you can find yourself in the middle of this stormy situation. Listen, we, we, we know how to trust God when things are going well. The challenge is learning how to trust God in the middle of of the storm. Because see, storms don't actually steal our faith and trust in God. They just reveal the level of our faith and trust in God. So Jesus comes walking to them out on the water. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a few DVDs when I get to heaven, or MP4s, I guess they would be now, when I get to heaven that I want to watch. You know, like the parting of the Red Sea. 
Y'all want to see that when you get to heaven? I mean, that's going to be awesome to see. I know we got Disney animation that can kind of help us a little bit. But man, to see the real thing, I want to see Jesus walking out on the water. So Jesus comes walking out to them, and he's walking on top of everything that was troubling them. Jesus is walking on top of their storm. And man, what a... What a great revelation for us to understand because I imagine today with the size of the amount of people that are here today that there are some of you that are in the middle of the storm and you're wondering if Jesus can come through. You're wondering if Jesus knows what's happening. I want you to know that Jesus is on top of everything that you're dealing with. That's why he tells you and I that we're the head and not the tail. That we're above and not beneath. That we're more than a conqueror. That what we're going through, we're going through and we're going to come out the other side victorious. But Jesus comes up to him, and this is what he says in Matthew chapter 14, verse 27. It says, Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And what we looked at a couple of weeks ago that I want to remind you of today is that courage actually has to be taken hold of. Because if you don't take hold of courage, fear will actually take hold of you. And there are all kinds of stories in the Bible or in real life about people operating in courage. And in fact, over the last several months, many of our first responders, I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for the, for the men and the women that put themselves at risk so that we could have health care and, and take care of all of us when things are kind of going crazy. All kinds of, of stories in real life of moms and dads who, who love their kids when they're at their wits end because it seems like I've told you this 12,000 times. Right? And you're still doing it. And yet they have the courage to be loving and be kind and be patient with them. It just happens in real life all the time. But we also see it in the Bible. In fact, we looked at a story a couple of weeks ago in Mark chapter 8 where this blind man exhibited courageous faith. And, and I want to look at the story again because there's a few other points I want to pull out of how this man operating in courageous faith and how he displayed this courageous faith so that it can really help us understand that God doesn't always answer our prayers the way that we think he should answer our prayers. You know, I, I get so frustrated with God sometimes because I feel like I know better than God, but when I start to think about it, he really is God, so maybe I should just let him be God. He doesn't always answer our prayers, and sometimes he gives us instructions that he wants us to follow so that we can actually hold on to the miracle that he's actually already provided for us. So again, here's this story of this blind man, of this courageous faith, and I want you to look at it with me in Mark chapter 8. Here's what it says up on the screen. It says, they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside of the village. Now, I want to remind you and get you to think through the story with me so we don't kind of just think, I can't wait to go eat. Uh, we're thinking about the story here for just a moment. The Bible says that he took this blind man by the hand and he led him outside of the village and the man went. Let me remind you, this man is blind. He can't see anything. He is now moving into unfamiliar territory. But he actually allows Jesus to take him by the hand and lead him. I wonder what would happen for those of us of followers of Christ, the miracles that would begin to take place in our life, if we would actually take Jesus by the hand, even if we don't know where we're going, and allow him to lead us. See, this man has the courage to believe God for a miracle. Do you have the courage to believe God for a miracle? Do you have the courage to take Jesus by the hand and allow him to lead you? 
Pastor Richie, everybody wants a miracle. Everybody wants to be a success. But I didn't ask you if you just wanted a miracle or if you wanted a success, a success in your life. I'm asking you, do you have the courage? The thing that actually has to be taken hold of. Because listen, if, if, you, if you receive a miracle in your life, it's because you made a decision to take hold of the promises of God in your life. See, there's a part we play in having courageous faith. There's a part we play. Listen, otherwise, every Christian would have a miracle in their life all the time. Every Christian would have success showing up in their life. And what you will find is there are a lot of people who are not going to be happy when you're a success. Some of you know this because you've moved forward in your life. You've walked forward with God. And, and, and as you've done that, some friends that didn't want to move, they wanted to stay kind of in their comfort zone back here. But you got educated. You began to better yourself and began to grow financially. Listen, it takes courage. It takes courage. Listen, God wants some amazing things for you. Listen, most people are not going to be happy with things happening in your life like you're going to be happy. Listen, they're gonna, they're, it takes courage to want to be a success. It, it takes courage to want to be rich. It, it takes courage to want to get educated. It takes courage to want to grow. It takes courage because, listen, there are going to be some people who know you and say, listen, he's forgot who he was. Or look, look, look at how he thinks he is. Look at the way he thinks, he thinks he's better than us now. So we have a tendency to shrink back. And I'm wondering if there's anyone here today who has the courage to take Jesus by the hand and saying, I'm going after my miracle. I'm going to take hold of my miracle. I'm not going to allow what other people say or what other people think to keep me from my miracle. I don't care if I don't understand where it is that Jesus is leading me. I don't care if I haven't been this way before. I'm going to grab tightly to Jesus' hand and I'm going to walk with him and I'm going to allow him to lead me where he wants to lead me. Seriously, is there anyone here like that today? Here's the other thing. Your miracle may not happen the way that you want it to happen. Man, I wish it was all the time. But again, check out this man out in verse 23. It says this. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside of the village. And when he had spit on the man's eyes. Now, this is the writer John Mark writing this in the Bible. And he, he says this so calmly. When he had spit on the man's eyes, like, it's just what we do. We're a spit in church, man. That's how we believe God works in miracles. So we just spit on anything we want to see a miracle happen in. Listen, I want you to think about it for just a minute. You're a blind man. Some friends of yours tell you about this man named Jesus, and so they take you to this man named Jesus, and he takes you by the hand and begins to lead you outside of the village. Now, first of all, that's probably freaking you out already. Just like earlier when, when Pastor Pam said, hey, why don't you lift up your hands? Some of you are going like, I ain't lifting up my hands. This is freaking me out. Think about this for just a second. And suddenly he spits in your eye. You can't see. All of a sudden you hear this, poof, right? And he spits in your eye. Now, I think everybody here today would think that's gross. But some of you have firsthand knowledge of actually how gross this actually is. Because you either had a big brother you are a big brother, or you've seen a big brother that absolutely loved to torture his siblings, his younger brothers. And it would go something like this. He would get them down on the ground, pin his knees on top of their shoulders, and he would lean over the top of them, and he would go something like this. And spit would come out towards your face, and then he would suck it back in. He'd do it again, and every once in a while, it would drop. All right? Gross, right? 
Never done it, never had it done to me, but I actually have seen it, and I can tell you that it's gross. Listen, I don't know what miracle you're actually believing God for, but I, get, I need to let you know today, to warn you maybe, it may not show up the way that you want it to show up. Listen, th when that man's eyes were getting spit on, I'm sure he was grossing out, but how many of you know he was thankful that he was able to see? So your miracle may not show up the way that you think it's going to come. It, it may not look the way you think it's going to look. It may not feel the way you think it's going to feel. So are you trying today to put God in a box? Are you, are you trying to say, God, this is how I need you to operate. If you'll do this, then, then God, I'm good. Can, can we as followers of Jesus Christ, not leaders of Jesus Christ, but followers of Jesus Christ, can we quit, quit trying to tell God how he needs to do things? How he needs to fix your spouse? Maybe he doesn't want to fix your spouse. Maybe he's trying to fix you. How, how we, need, we need to tell me, hey, you need to, God, you need to fix my boss. Maybe he doesn't need to fix your boss. Maybe he needs to fix you. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody today. Can we quit telling him how to do it and just let God be God? After all, he's God and we're not. I mean, just look at his resume. Creator of the heavens and the earth. Creator of all mankind. Creator of all of the animals. Healer of your body, your soul, and your spirit. Provider of all that you need for life and godliness. Restorer of things that have been lost by you or stolen from you. Can we today just let God be God? Even in the middle of this pandemic, can we just go, God, you're God, I'm not. I know you know where I'm at. I know that you know I'm in a storm, but I know that you're going to take care of me. God, I can trust you in the middle of what I'm walking through. So remember, it may not happen the way you think it's going to happen, and it may not happen when you think it's going to happen. I find a lot of times God's timing is not like my timing. In fact, here's what it says in verse 23 as we finish off that verse. It says, and when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus said, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people and they look like trees walking around. Again, it doesn't always happen in the timing that you think it should happen in. Sometimes, in fact, I could probably venture to say most of the time, there's actually a process. And, and it's sometimes through the process that we walk through that we're learning or relearning so that we can do some things so we don't go back to the same place where we were at. God's trying to put us in a process. See, some of you are looking to get out of debt and there's absolutely no lack with God whatsoever. If he can take five loaves and two fishes, like we talked about a couple of weeks, weeks ago, and feed it up to as many, Bible scholars say, as many as 20,000 people, I can promise you that getting finances to you is absolutely no problem whatsoever to God. But maybe you're in a process of, of learning how to steward the resources that God has actually placed in your life. Some of you are wanting a relationship to be better, but maybe you're in the process of actually learning how to speak correctly or act correctly towards the people in your life. You pull your shoes underneath your chair if you need to, if I'm stepping on your toes today. Sometimes with our health, we, we want God to heal us, and yet we're still not taking care of our own bodies that God has entrusted to us. So maybe you're in a process, but you have to know that even when you're in a process, you got to know that God is actually going to get you there. In fact, why don't you turn to someone right now and say, you're in the process. 
Turn to somebody on your other side, your second choice, and say, hey, I'm in a process. So watch this verse again. Once more, Jesus, can you throw that screen up there, or that verse up there? Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, then his eyes were open and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Here's the last thing I want us to show, look at today. And then Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Jesus said, don't go into the village. Now, why would Jesus say that? I believe, first of all, that Jesus prayed for this man twice because of this man's unbelief. Listen, I know that Jesus was God, but he still limited himself many times because of people's unbelief. So he prayed for him twice. And listen, this man did not need to get around any other unbelieving people. He was already struggling with some unbelief himself. And sometimes those closest to us can actually hinder the miracle from showing up in our life or us keeping the miracle in our life. Now listen carefully. I am not encouraging you in any way to divorce your negative spouse. All right? Y'all hear me on that. All right? I'm not encouraging you any way to remove some unbelieving children, an unbelieving parent. I'm not encouraging you to excommunicate your in-laws. But I am telling you that if you have some family that, that speak doubt, fear, and unbelief, you need to have a conversation with them about their negativity. Preach it, Pastor Richie. Listen, these are not garbage pails. You don't need to listen to a bunch of doubt, fear, and unbelief. You need to let them know that you're not interested in them speaking things that contradict the Word of God. And that unless they change, it's going to become a point of contention between the two of you. Listen, if you have some friends or acquaintances in your life that are negative Nelly or Dominic Doubter, whatever it might be, listen, you need to have a conversation with them also. And if they listen to you, great. But if they don't, some of you need to have a friendectomy. Ouch, right? You might need to remove some people from your life because sometimes there are some people in our lives that are keeping us from the miracle that God wants to do in our life. Pastor Richie, is that actually right? Aren't we, aren't we supposed to be loving? Absolutely. I'm not in any way trying to say that you need to become mean and vindictive. You just need to have kind, quiet conversations with them going, that's not what I believe. I believe that God's a good God. I believe that I know that this bill was unexpected, but I'm believing God for a miracle. And you can speak that if you want, but I don't want to hear it around me. Pastor Richie, you got scripture for that? Yeah, let me show you this scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, do not be misled. In other words, don't be deceived. Don't, don't end up going in the wrong direction. Bad company corrupts good character. Listen, if you want to know what your character is going to look like, if you want to know what your biblical beliefs are going to look like, if you want to know what your attitude is going to look like in the next few years, just look at the five closest people around you today, and you're going to know. Because those five people have an incredible part of shaping and molding your destiny. And your, your questions that you need to ask as you look at them, and I, and I want to say this fast too, none of us are perfect. This isn't about a perfect standard of us always doing it right. But do you have some people in your life that have gone through some storms in their life and, and they recognize that God is actually in control and they're taking God by the hand? Those are the friends you need. Have they dealt with some storms enough to know that, that God doesn't always answer the prayers the way that we hope he answers our prayers or he doesn't always do things in the timing that we wish that God would do it in? 
Do you have some friends around you like that that are going to be filled with some faith? And do they understand that God gives us some instructions, not because he's this big rule, mean God of going, try to obey, try to obey, but he gives us some instructions so that we can learn how to hold on the miracle that he's actually providing for us. Now, I know that many of you here today, uh, like me, you know Doug and Amanda Morrison, and and you know that last year they lost a 17-year-old son in a tragic accident. A storm that totally took them by surprise, blew in, and had these catastrophic consequences in their life. And and I know the effect that it had on me and many of us, but I can't begin to imagine the effect that it had on them. And yet, I've watched both of them as we've walked through this last year, walk with courageous faith. It's honestly been amazing. And they've simply made a decision to take Jesus by the hand and allow him to lead them even in the middle of the storm. And and that's why Doug is one of my closest friends. He and I get together and have coffee and encourage each other all the time. And is he perfect? No. And Doug, I didn't mean to say that real quickly, you know, because we're all imperfect, right? But I love the courageous faith that he operates in, that he makes a choice daily to say, I'm going to believe that God is still a miracle-working God. So every day he has to make the choice as every one of us do, to take Jesus by the hand, not knowing fully where God is actually going to lead him or where God is going to lead us, not fully understanding what the end is actually going to look like, but we've got to decide to let God be God, that he actually is a good God who loves to do good things in the lives of his children and to live each day to the best of our ability, operating in courageous, the thing that we've got to take hold of, faith. Listen, and if you'll choose to do that, I'm telling you that when the storms come into your life, your faith will actually guide you through the storm and it'll get you to the place that you know that God wants to lead you to. I'm not promising during the time that things are going to be easy, things are going to be fun, and things are always going to be enjoyable, but I promise that God is always going to work a miracle in your life if you'll simply operate in courageous faith and let God be God. Listen, I've shared this message with you today and I recognize that It's so easy for us to be led by our feelings, to be led by our emotions, to be led by our circumstances, to be led by our situations. What we have to make the choice to do is say, God, I'm going to let you lead me. How do we do that? We look into the word of God, find the promise, and stand on the promise and say, God, I'm going to believe what your word says. And I know what the enemy does for most of us is he gets us reading the word and it gets a little complicated or gets a little hard, so we stop reading it. Listen, you need to find a devotional You you need to find something that's going to really speak to you about the goodness of God so that you can learn to lay hold of the principles of God and hide them in your heart so that when the storm comes, you're prepared ahead of time. I know that my God is able, and I know that he's going to take me through what I'm going through. Choice is up to you. I wish God would make us do it, but he doesn't. He allows us to partner with him in operating in courageous faith. 